You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie Vallejo, and um, we're glad you're here today. I am sitting here with Christy and Amy, our crew. We haven't done the three of us in a while, have we? Amy hasn't been here in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to Welcome see back, you again. Amy. Welcome back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been um, it's been a minute. Yeah. We've had freezes, and we've had Christmas, I've and we've had... i enjoyed listening to everybody else on here. Yeah? Yeah. We got Jennifer Morgan on here. That was impressive. We did. I want her to come back. I know. She was so good. She's so good. She was, there were things I was telling a friend of mine, I was, because I re-listened to it after, you know, editing it mm-hmm. and it had been, but um, just that I found so interesting to re-listen to because mm-hmm. like speech pathology and therapists, people who are really good at their niche, you know, they just, mm. they're so good in how they talk. And there's so, so many things. It was so informative. So many things that I think for moms with kids growing up and you're like always like worried about those kind of landmark kind of things and benchmark things. Mm-hmm. She needs to be so like a interesting. speaker at mops or something. Okay. You, you will, you'll lose her at speaker. She's no, not going to do that. Just don't put her on stage. I feel like she's, she's so stepped good. out a little more than she used to, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if you maybe, if we ask her, she might do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I feel like she might because she would be. And she would be able to answer Jennifer. questions. We are talking <laughs> she about does and listen. She listens every time. She's like, <laughs> oh, man. Like, oh, my God. <sighs> so, who else did you listen to? Jennifer was good. Uh, uh, Laura Lester. Listen to her. Oh, my God. Um, yes. Catfish Cops. I, Laura Lester, I need to meet you because we're both from Lufkin. I feel like we're family. Mm-hmm. Um, but Catfish Cops, that was really cool. Yeah, they were. And scary and oh, all of no. the things. All, all the of the things. Yeah. Your truth. That's, you speak truth. All of the things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, we were, I'm glad there's people that do their job and that protect us. And we don't have, I don't, ha- I don't how, have to be a police officer in that. I don't know how they. Yeah can like shut that part of their brain off oh, and then just have like a regular night with their family after mm-hmm. that. I, I, I don't know. I think people truly gift. I think people truly gift certain people with those. God gifts people with those types of abilities. I feel like well, to help us because well, not pol- everyone can do it. And they're police officers. Yeah. But like I think of um, troops and uh, other police officers that uh, just are, they have to callous themselves to certain things and compartmentalize and then, be able to function function yeah because how do you function otherwise i don't know i don't either well we are going to um talk about a um kind of a we're going to open up to a series we're hoping we have some people coming on in future podcasts over the next few weeks um, that will talk about various aspects of mental health and mental illness both of which we've decided are kind of two different things but related if you will, and we'll, we won't like define those specifically today, but we will talk about them kind of our own interactions in those areas personally, just kind of our own um, things we've had come up, but then also just people we know, friends, family, loved ones um, that have been impacted by either mental health or mental illness and um, how that shapes us and the people that are around us. Um, But then also we've got the people we have coming in the future, we'll be talking about some very personal stories um, that will, I think, benefit people listening, but also just touch your heart um, as you see God working in the lives of people um, through mental and emotional health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And and that's all part of, part of soul care, in my opinion. I mean, it goes part of the mind is part of the soul. So it we have to care for it. It's part of the heart. I think. But anyway, so we haven't really like structured this well <laughs> or how we're going to have this conversation. Um, I feel like it's every time the three of us get on to I do a think podcast. So it's like, mm, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? Turn the mics on. Let's just start talking. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's just go. Yeah. Yeah. Because the world's, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. And um, 
it impacts all of us differently. And mm-hmm. we all have families and relationships and friends. And Well, and this kind of was triggered yeah. because this past weekend, my sister did a a musical. And so I she's think been you writing should start a, with that story yeah. then. I think you should do that because you're right. That's how so it, she, um, she's been writing a musical for the last three years. And it's called Boy on a Billboard. And so she previewed it, which I didn't know this about theater because I'm not really well versed in the theater activities. But you preview a play first. So then the actors come and they have their notebooks and their scripts. So they're legit reading from their script as they're talking. Like a script reading like a yeah. on stage. Or like yeah, on but stage. they're acting it out. So like you can see what's going on to help get more funding, to get, you know, all the things to get something like that out there more and so she previewed hers this weekend and it was awesome and it was amazing but it was based on our youngest brother so i'm the oldest of four so there's me lisa and then johnny and then there's james my dad mom named brothers of thunder johnny and james okay okay Uh Uh um anyway so james passed away 10 years ago and he passed away from early diagnosis of schizophrenia and so his big moment was he was on a billboard in Fort Worth. He had like an episode where he, he ran out of um, an apartment where he was at and he ran down the street and he legit ran to the top of the billboard and he got on top of the billboard and he was naked and he looked like he was talking to people and all that. And so leading up to this, we know that James was a musician, like a fabulous musician. He could hear something and just play it. And then he could play any instrument. Um, he had often talked about just kind of different things, like a little bit out there where we'd be like, what is going on with James? But she did it and she did it in a way that she just told his story. She, so your sister my told sister. the story. Okay. Yeah. So it's all from my sister's perspective. And okay. she had Meg, who Meg um, also has big, you know, mental health, mental illness issues also in her family. So she Who's kind Meg? of her co-director. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're like friends. Um, anyway, so they wrote it all together, but Lisa wrote and composed all the music and oh, a lot of, word. Oh yeah. And the music was amazing. It was so good. And she did such a good job of grasping all these little tiny Threads. details. Yes. Yeah. And she did, I mean, she just put it together so well. And so even last night we were doing our birthday dinners with um, all the family. And we were like, it was so good. She was like, well, it could be better here. It could well, be better there. that's a true artist. Right and so they my mother wanna... like puts her hand on the side of her face and she's like, she's a perfectionist. And I was like, you've got to let that go. It was so good. Um, so that's where this kind of conversation started because as we were sitting there watching it, there's a moment I had when I was watching it going, you know what? We don't talk about it because people like me who've experienced, I don't talk about it. I don't yeah. feel the need to, but it impacts our life so greatly because James ended up dying. And mm-hmm. so it's a loss all the time. But you don't talk about how it affected your everyday life. And then when he was in the psych ward, you'd go visit him and then he needed a place to stay. Well, at the time we had three little babies at home and I wanted him to come live in the you know extra room upstairs. But Greg and I were like, we have kids at home. Like you yeah, can't. Yeah. Do that so you're mad and upset. It's, it was, and it's you're stuck. You feel stuck. You feel unable to help in the ways yeah. you want to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so then you're sad about that. And then you just hope and pray that God provides other people and He does. But there's so many emotions and things that just go with it, even when you're dealing with it. And so my sister wrote a great song about my mom going, essentially saying, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing the best that I can, but I, I could be right. I could be wrong. I don't know. And I thought, we need more people to say that. Yeah. Like this, this is just what we're okay. doing and it's okay. And well, if he dies, it's still okay. Yeah. Cause for my mom, I don't think she really ever said I should have gone back and done this or done this. She's more of a, just keep moving. Mm-hmm. Like I, we can't do anything about the past. I'm not going to live with that. And I don't want to live that, that live over my head, but I'm sure there's days that she has where she's like, Oh, you I have probably... to come to terms with the limits of your control and abilities, yeah. I guess. And that's hard for people mm-hmm. and medicine with f- and medicine, and his own choice. And, and he didn't want to take control his... thing. Exactly. And no. if they don't take their medication, which oh, yeah. will help them, but they don't but he want smoked to a ton of weed and that was happier for him. Mm. And I forgot about that. So did it sedate him though. Some that he, uh, it, yeah, his brain didn't go, he, he didn't hear voices. He didn't, but he thought it was better than the medicine because mm-hmm. weed's natural. And so uh, he could smoke pot and be fine. And I actually forgot about how much weed he smoked. And so, Jay, uh, not James, Creighton, one of my kids was like, did James smoke a lot of pot? And I was like, 
Yeah, I totally forgot. I totally but he wouldn't take, put that in the yeah, musical. Because that's a big part mm-hmm. too, because that did help him slow down. You know, but he was so anti the medicine because then he couldn't play his instruments, he couldn't sing, he couldn't do what he made a living doing or made money, and he was happy doing. And so I thought that was funny, even little details like that. But he wouldn't drink alcohol, and he wouldn't take his medicine. I know. Mm-hmm. So, but thinking through all that and then going, you know, you can't be ashamed. We cannot. I mean, that's so dark and it's so, you don't know what to do with it, but we can't walk around like, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't talk about it because I just don't talk about it. And this past weekend we were at a volleyball tournament and one mom goes, okay, your sister, and I've known her since the girls were little. And she was like, so your sister wrote her play and you lost your brother. And I said, oh yeah. So we talked about it. And another friend sitting there We've all known each other since the girls were little. And she was, I've always wanted to ask, but I didn't know if I should. And I was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Everybody that's dealt, not everybody, but most people do want to talk about it. They just need somebody to ask about it. Because no one wants to be like, don't want to you want to introduce it. I don't want to intro, I don't want to enter in a conversation and be like, well, I lost my brother to schizophrenia. Y'all want to talk about it? Well, this last year at the <laughs> women's you do event, that. you talked about it and I was floored. I'm like, I didn't know that. I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah you, she shared you shared a large part of your testimony of of just growing up and then James and yeah. everything else. And so um did your whole family attend the play? Oh yeah. At one point. Did Aunt you all go and together? And, no. No, we didn't go. Like me and my mom my mom was there, my my sister's friends came in. Because there were three shows, you said, and they there all were sold four. out. There were four mm-hmm. shows. Yeah, and they and all they sold, sold out. out. Mm-hmm. And so you went at different times mm-hmm. and then because I have, would picture that being super emotional. So how so were I was you a for nervous days? wreck the whole day leading up, not realizing oh, yeah, I was the nervous. anticipation uh-huh. and going like, "What is she? What is she? How is she going to portray me?" Like, and it's your little sister, oh. so you're also like, "Oh, is she going to be nice to me, or is she going to show my bad side?" Because <laughs> we all have bad sides. You and were especially afraid the little you sister. Those autobiographies uh-huh. were like they air uh-huh. the dirty laundry. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Was she respectful to you? Then? She was, and I. And if I wasn't able to laugh at myself and understand how I was as a mom with three kids, like my big priority was get them to bed, mm-hmm. feed them, like a schedule. I was on task and I was a scheduled mom. And so she totally like brought that out. And I was like, absolutely, I was. But so there all, wasn't anything that happened that you were in disagreement with. No, it was great. Okay. I mean, I'm sure I could if I wanted to get my panties in a wad. You very well could be like, oh, I can't believe she did that. Or she, yeah, I could, but I'm not going to. And that's truly how I was. Yeah. That's how I was at that time, raising three kids and dealing with marriage and, and dealing with life. Close in age, you would have to have them on a tight schedule. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, there was a whole song about it, and I was like, "Yep, that's me." I, oh, mean, I was no just way. sitting there, like laughing, like, mm-hmm, <laughs> "That's me, that's me." And your but sister's probably looking at you, going, oh, "Yeah, gosh. yeah." Uh, and she and what it was really funny how I said I said like right next to her, like she's to the right of me, standing straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, was this directing? Yeah. yeah. Waving your hands around. And so. <laughs> it's exactly how you conduct. You just wave, <laughs> you wave your hands, hands around. around. Yeah. Gentry was like, what is she doing? And I was like, she's keeping them on beat, I think. I don't know. Um, but she thing. said she could see me in her peripheral. And I was like, oh, okay. Sorry about that. I probably should have sat in the top. It was great. It was good. And it was it was very insightful. Yeah. To how she saw James. And then my brother, Johnny, was just like, yeah, it was good. I mean, there's some things about me that I didn't like. And I was like, mm-hmm, Johnny, I know, but get over yourself. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. That's from Lisa's perspective. And it did. Yeah. It was good. But it made me realize we need to talk about it. Yeah. Because you need to know your family's perspective. Yeah. I have a hard time talking about things that are really emotional for me a lot of times. I just mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. Me too. I just struggle with that on day. So I would, I think part of it would be depending on the day and how emotional I am or how distant I feel, whatever, like, and I guess, but it does get easier probably the more you have those conversations, right? It gets easier to talk about if you've kind of, but the further you you get from it too. Like, so, so we talked about so just it a lot. the natural part of time. Yeah. So it's been 10 years. And so mm-hmm. then she brought up stuff that I have forgotten about that we talked about right after it happened, like lots. Mm-hmm. And then you forget. And so then I cried Friday night. I cried all day Saturday. This past weekend, you oh, cried yeah. Friday night. Oh. But that's yeah. so good that you could cry and get it out. Well, at one point I was like, get it together, Christy. Like it is Saturday morning. It is noon. And so I look at Greg and I was like, I can't figure this out. Why I'm still crying. And he just looked at me like, and then he starts crying. And he's like, I'm going to, because he went on Saturday night. I said, oh yeah, you're going to cry. 
You're going to cry? Because so he's more of a Friday, crier so than it, I am. It was Friday night is when you went. I went Friday night and took the kids then, with me. Okay. And then um, then Greg went Saturday night. Okay. And some other family went, family and friends went Saturday night. Okay. And then she had um, two shows on Saturday. I can't even remember. And so he was getting preparing himself uh-huh. after you were, and then did yeah. he cry like you uh-huh. said, like a oh yeah. yeah. And then I was even proud of my brother. Like Johnny was like, oh yeah, I cried at the last song too. I was like, I just let it go. I was like, I just, you I had just, to sob at that point. Oh yeah. And they're like doing a finale. Funny story though. Lisa was at our house going, okay, I've got to work on the finale. What do you think I should say? And I was like, is it gonna be like a fun like choreographed? And then she goes, you know how the story ends, Christy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Oh, yeah. It's going to be sad. You're so right. Oh, my word. Because he, he dies. He's gone. He goes to heaven. But she was like, you so know funny. how it ends. I was like, oh, my bad. Like my bad. there. You know. <laughs> but yeah. don't you like a musical? Yeah. Where, like, the ending is, like, lift. spirit oh, fingers. Because every musical oh, no. I've seen has been happy. So I'm like, hmm. And it's yeah. interesting. I know. So that was funny. She was like, I am going to have hope. It'll be a hopeful ending. And it was. Yeah. It was good. So, oh my goodness! Yeah, it was a lot. It was a whole lot. And Gentry was with I bet me. It's going to be huge just to see the the family's perspective. Yes, because my uncle, who my brother was great friends with, they traveled like the world together, uh-huh. and so and they were like traveling buddies. And Russell was right behind me, and the guy that plays James looks like him, acts like him, mannerisms are like, and he's the youngest of four. Like James? Uh-huh. Wow! Oh, yeah. Did he have video to watch? Or no. Anything? He had seen nothing. So he walks out, and I hear Russell behind me go, oh, it looks just like James. Aww. And I like I lean back and kind of put my hand, and I'm like, I know. I think so, too. And he was like, wow. And so you do. I mean, even the guys like James had real long fingers. We used to joke about. Um, but he, the guy even had real long fingers, like even how he talked. So if you knew him, you were totally enthralled with him. Mm. You totally did him justice, basically. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it's called Boy on a Billboard. You can Google it. She's on Instagram. And She'll so now at this point that she's kind of put this out there, now they're raising money to kind of crowdsource a bigger production mm-hmm. yeah. is what they're trying to do. That's what she tells me. I'm not real okay. versed in how all this works. But I think she's. it's a great platform to talk about mental health, mental illness. I bet it goes mm-hmm. far. I bet it goes really far. Yeah, because, I mean, it's just the songs that she talked about, like what was going on in his head. Like what he sees, what he hears, what he can't do. James went to, and he, I like, you know, the nine to five job. I feel like that's responsible. Back in the day, that's how I was um, thinking like, oh, mm. you need to go get a nine to five job, James. Like, go get a job. Well, he goes and he goes and gets a job at Radio Shack. I kind of forgot about this, but he um, couldn't give them the right change. Like his side of his brain that did math. Did not work well. So the guy's like, it's $4.56 or whatever. And James is like, I couldn't give him change. And I was telling Greg about this. And Greg was like, oh, I remember that. I remember how so upset he was that he could not. And he got fired because he couldn't give anybody change. And then he couldn't even remember to, like, push a button that then would say give the change. But then I remember working with him on a quarter and, like, just doing math on the kitchen island in our house. And he got fired for that, but he was so upset. Like, why can't I even make change? Like, his brain couldn't work. He wanted it to, but it couldn't work. Yet he was so gifted in music, which is counting. No, he couldn't read music. But it's different. Like, he couldn't read music, but he could could play the instruments. Yes. Mm -hmm. He could hear one song. I, I and knew, sit down I've and known a kid like that, boom. and it's amazing. They hear it one time, and they sit at the piano, and they just play it. Yeah. So was he almost on the spectrum in a mm-hmm. way? No. Well, so here's the I other part. now so maybe he... Maybe now. Yeah, I mean, because it was a long time ago. Yeah. He... Um, this is the other part, too. Like, my mom was going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. And, well, she was married to a guy that wasn't the best guy. My grandmother calls it her party phase in life. <laughs> <laughs> Love grandma. I know. And so... Um, she And then after that, she was going through a divorce through that husband. And I think it just got all, he's just the fourth kid. Like, he just mm-hmm. kind of got lost in the shuffle at times. Yeah. Which was painful for me, being the older sister and kind of the and mama bear. It. And then being at college and, and then coming back and seeing how he kind of got um, just lost in the shuffle. Oh, my goodness. Lost in the shuffle. Um, but, yeah, it was hard. It was great. She did a great job. But we need to have more conversations or safe place. And I think to your point, we can't, you don't just bring it up. Yeah. But if somebody struggles with it 
or it has a family member struggling with it, not that we need to be mentors, but we just need to help walk alongside them. Yeah, like, just what do you listen. Call me? Yeah. yeah. You want to cry? Call me. Or you don't understand why this matter. Why is he in the hospital again? And but, I think, too, it's the conversations are not um, – it's not something you just have and then you're done. So I think some people struggle with the ongoing up and down of it. Yes. Just being friends and close to people in that environment means you're in it. For the long haul. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to be a true, I mean, if, because it's not something that just stops Mm -mm. overnight. No, because they'll get on their medicine. And they'll be great. And that's what Mm -hmm. the lady, uh, Dan was telling me. She said, oh, I know, I know a gentleman that has schizophrenia. He's in and out of the hospital all the time, depending on the days that he takes his medicine. They they feel so good. They stop. Exactly. And that's true with bipolar. That's true with anyone who works with people in that Mm -hmm. field. The ones I've talked to, they've all said that's a struggle. We, I mean. And but it's not struggling with, medica- even with depression, medication. anxiety, right? But it's, mm-hmm. but That's it's right. also, uh, it's also uh, keep getting the medicine right. Well, they yes. can build up a tolerance to and it. And for kids, that's... And so they have to mess with it again. Kids that get older, exactly. they weigh, they weigh a different amount. And it's that's, really, that's really ADD, hard, too. ADHD, mm-hmm. all of that stuff, mm-hmm. too. It's not like you get put on a medicine and it's like you take two pills a day that's for right. the rest of your life. It's, okay, at some point this medicine's going to stop working. Well, and I have little things. Like, I was... I, I can't imagine if this would... Like, um, with my, I have Hashimoto's and with my Synthroid, there were two years in there. I was going in for blood work every six weeks. What's a Synthroid? Because Synthroid is my medication I take. Oh, okay. And I, it's the name brand because I can't take the generic. They tried and it doesn't work. Mm. But I had to go in for blood work every six weeks Remind because it was up and down. Is again? Because I don't remember. It, um, my, it's an autoimmune disease because okay. my body attacks my thyroid. Okay. And so the thyroid's tied to everything in the body like it used to be people at my age kind of died from it before they had the medication right because it impacts your heart your liver your kidney and it impacts your state of mind because you're tired you have like chronic fatigue well here's syndrome if so, it's not right i'm so glad that you brought that up because taking medication for uh mental health mental illness we're not yeah. going to define which is which um is just like taking medication for something else exactly and, and if you mess it up that's what i was like the but up and down of it's tiring and exhausting, but is, if you don't take it, yeah, it impacts you. Yeah, there's a stigma that comes with it. So I dealt with depression and anxiety, and I remember I kept going to a general physician or physician's assistant, and they would throw a medication at me. It may or may not work, and then I would They just said, just try? Just We're going to try this for a while. We're going to try this for a while. They're a general physician. Um, it's like having a heart attack or having a cardiac arrest and going to a general sure, physician. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And a lot of women have their female doctors prescribe medication mm-hmm. for this. It's great if it works, but you really need to go to a psychiatrist. Well, yes. there's a stigma that comes with that. When I was in a huge panic attack and my doctor says, um, I don't think that I can help you anymore. You're going to need to go to a psychiatrist. You How did about, you take that? Oh, I blew up. Oh, Like I crying or screaming at him? Crying, or both. bawling my eyes out, calling my mom, I'm crazy. The doctor just said, I'm crazy. I just, and my mom is trying to like calm me down over the phone. She's like, Amy, all he did was say, go to a specialist. Oh, now I need a specialist. <laughs> like, this is what this means. I'm like, I'm so far gone, you know. And, and so, but that, you know, you brought up the thyroid issue. It's the same thing. Yeah. And I talk to women all the yeah, time. Yeah, because I went to an endocrinologist. And yeah. I had no problem doing that because I was like, just fix me. This is horrible. Yeah, I feel you're terrible. You're talking about your brain. Exactly. So I'm like, you, psychiatrist is the brain guy, right? You talk about your brain. Yeah. Well, there's there's a vulnerability there. Mm-hmm. There's a, if I share that with somebody, if you, if you, Christy, if I share that my brother is schizophrenic, well, maybe somebody doesn't want to be around him. Maybe somebody's scared of it. Maybe oh, somebody's, yeah. maybe you didn't care, but maybe he was, he was ashamed of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I have friends all the time that tell me, like, I don't think this medication's working. And I'm like, I'm not even sure you need to be on it to begin with, yeah. number mm-hmm. one. Because they throw it out like candy now. Yeah. But, yes, you need to go to a psychiatrist. Oh, I don't know that I could do that. Why? Yeah. Which is why I'm outspoken about, oh, I've, yeah, I've suffered from depression, anxiety. Still do. Yeah. I talk about it because nobody talked about it to me. Right. A friend of mine, her daughter was just diagnosed and she's 16. Um, it's hard. Yeah, and she went to her like general practitioner for her daughter, and they gave her medicine. Mm-hmm. And then the friend was just like, "This is there's something not right." And another friend said, "Go see my psychiatrist." Mm-hmm. And they did, and she was like, "You're on the wrong medicine. Your daughter's on the wrong yes. medicine and mm-hmm. the wrong dosage." Yep. 
And she was like, and she even said, we see this a lot. Yes. Pediatricians just throw this, like, this is the generic one, or this is just this one. Is it out of selfishness that they want to keep the business? I almost think that that's what it is. I want to keep people coming back to me. I'm just going to prescribe the medication. I think it just like anything else, though, it takes, for somebody in a profession, it takes maturity to go, okay, this needs to be, this is outside of my scope of expertise. Like, I need to send you to a person who specializes in whatever why you know xyz whatever this is Mm -hmm. um and i think sometimes that people don't people think they know more maybe than what they do so can i speak to that so so that's part of what happened with james is his counselor at the safe house he was staying at after he got out of the psych ward thought that he needed to be taken off of his antidepressants the so his counselor did Uh did they make that decision on his own uh (gasps) so he started weaning him off which, by the way, I've been I've been prescribed the wrong medication, yeah. and I go to my psychiatrist, like your friend, sixteen-year-old mm-hmm. daughter, and the psychiatrist said I would have never given that to them. Mm-hmm. They had to wean me off of that before oh, we yeah. could put me on another medication. I felt like I was coming out of my skin. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's yeah. like you, you're these medications are very, um, so I don't know. They're very specific, and they mess. They they. I don't want to say mess with. They just change the chemical balance of things. So I would be like, it's you have to be careful. Like the intention of it is to help someone, of course. But the you don't just that that does bug me when I hear people just throwing around medications like it's. So what did James? What happened to James when they took him off of that? Uh, He at some point I don't know how far he was off of that, but at some point he ended up killing himself. And it's funny. I mean, I say funny, but it's funny because even. In her play, in her musical, the way Lisa portrayed it, did she? Do we? We call it an accident. We don't call it right. suicide because he actually had a an episode to where he's told the doctor, "I don't want to do this. I didn't want to do this." Like he was a hundred percent aware that what he did, he did not want to do. So we right. deem it an accident. We really don't call it suicide. But since he wasn't on his meds after the fact, I remember my husband just being like, "Should we sue the house? We should sue the house." We should sue the counselor. And my mother's like, I'm not suing a Christian counselor. Like, I'm not doing that. No. And my husband was just, yes, because he was he was ticked that James was gone. And that's how he was handling his, his frustration. He, his grief was anger at the yes, time. Yes, anger. Somebody yes. And somebody, yes, I want justice. Yeah. I want justice. And my mother was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm mm. not. That is not happening. But, I mean, you have to kind of go, if he was on that medicine, would he still be here? We don't know. We don't know. But I do think it is God's hand that he is not here because he's perfected in heaven. and He's not suffering anymore. He's not. We're not. He's not suffering and we're not suffering. Yeah. Because to live with a groan. It's very oh, hard to watch. Well, it's hard to watch. the worry that you have. Yeah. Oh, all yeah. the time. Yeah. It's horrible for all of us. Yeah. If yeah. you care about somebody. And especially when they're family. And they come around. And our family's close. So, yeah. It's been, I mean, that, that part was definitely interesting. But even little things like that, you forget about. Do you? Can you think back on y'all's childhood and where you may like when he was really little? Did you see any signs of? He was always, um, what's a good word? Like he was always enthusiastic. He was very fun-loving. But no, no, no signs of crazy. I mean, I I can say that. I guess no signs of crazy. And really, it wasn't till later, like he graduated high school, which was hard for him. But there are times that you just kind of go. It was a lack of, I wonder if it was it nurture or nature. Or I do, both. I think there's a combination. Well, that's I think there's saying. nuance there I for sure. I wonder how much of it was more lack of nurture yeah. versus nature because of the dynamics of what was going on in the home between my parents getting divorced and then my mom getting remarried and then life of where everything was going. Oh, and we learned this. Since he liked to smoke weed... <laughs> Greg asked his doctor, he said, oh, did you know that uh, kids that have a predisposition to mental illness or mental health and that smoke weed, it comes on earlier. It shows itself earlier really? earlier in life. Yes, there's studies that have been shown. A lot, he said, so. Yeah, he likes him some weed. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think there's some kids that will grow up. We talk about the resiliency, you know, of children a lot, that kind of thing. But I think there's some kids that just nature has provided you know, a, a emotional, mental kind of 
different endurance levels, I guess. And so then there's some kids that would have been in that environment and come out differently. But Mm -hmm. then there's some kids that are especially sensitive, I think, and especially if you've got the art. I mean, I think artists and creative types are real intensely emotional a lot of times. So oh, I, think I would those, say most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. So I would, you know, I have artists in my own family. I would say that's true. And I just think that um, they feel, they just feel the disconnect from people and they feel the impact of what's going on around them more fiercely than yeah. others. And I think to to that end, this conversation should be about how do we, you know, protect those people, respond to those people? How do we help in the that's what the community is for so that it's not about isolating them or keeping them away it's about how do we love and care for them well knowing that that that's something about them that's how god made them was that they are just our sensitives you know they're the ones that well, are sensitive to that kind of thing two siblings or in christy's case four siblings that go through the exact same thing and they different yeah ages, that's true one's pretty uh Predisposed. Predisposed, thank you. Predisposition didn't <laughs> to um, be more emotional about yeah. it, but hide the emotion because they don't want to be considered weak. And then you have the mm-hmm. louder one. Mm-hmm. I am talking about my sister and I. The louder <laughs> one, which would be her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, imagine, y'all imagine me louder. That's Jennifer. <laughs> um, that when she's upset, she just says she's upset. And then she not that she gets over it, but she gets, she gets it out. Mm. And so... Maybe she deals with things differently, more head on because, you know. And I I think that's true. I think we all deal with stuff differently. And there's a predisposition, a nature, a DNA. So that is how God made us. Yeah. I think, too, you asked the question, how do we help them deal with it? Coming to a realization. Like coming. I wish when I was watching that play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I wish when I I was watching that, I thought, you know what? I I had no idea because I was young and stupid. I'm just older and still stupid, but <laughs> you know what I mean? That no, idea of like, age matters. Older, like, older and less stupid. Yes. I like that. There we yeah. go. Less stupid. That's good. But when you're but young, you're you sitting don't there. know. You're doing no, the best well, you no, can. No, because you're like, well, this is how life should be. Yeah. And no one said, Christy, it's okay if yeah. he works full time at Starbucks or right. goes to Home Depot. Exactly. But in my mind, I had never seen that played out. I had never yeah. seen that done. You thought it was well. hurting his life to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so going oh if i would have just been like it's fine you don't have to have a nine to five you don't have to be responsible is not a nine to five responsible is not doing certain things that i deemed responsible he could have lived a different life and been like you know what? if he works wherever he works let's just be happy it's there mm-hmm. whether he continued at pete's piano bar because he was a staple there he was amazing people oh. loved him hmm. Love i know and I he was the one in fort worth well he was in he was in addison i think for a little bit, and then he moved to Fort Worth, or he was always in Fort Worth. But he Dark was phenomenal. Hair. No, blonde. He was oh. great, and he was funny. Um, but to go, you know what? That's a great job. That's mm-hmm. a great job for a musician. Oh, he made serious money there too with the tips and everything. Oh yeah, he made great money. And they, I mean, seriously, he could just play it by ear. As a so that's kind of our measure of success too that we're putting on everybody, right? This is what a good life looks like, and oh, if it doesn't look like that, that. Yeah. exactly. So that doesn't help people who no. are sensitive and ha- and who are. You know, just emotionally, like I said, just feel things with they're constantly getting around them. People saying, hey, you need to do this or try this or what about this? You know, um, when they're just struggling on the inside day to day, just one day to the next for the practicalities of life is just for them. The -hmm. ability to engage in that is it's exhausting. It's exhausting for them, let alone thinking, you know, climbing the corporate ladder on them. (laughs) Right, and yeah. I, and I don't. Th- I I've think people have good intentions, but people have be, good I intentions. Am. I think yeah. we have. Everybody has good intentions with these expectations. You're thinking you're helping them get, you know, but you're improve, only doing it not. with what you think, exactly. though. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was, and I, it was a great moment of being like, "Thanks, Lord, for opening my eyes to go." Wow, yes, I was like that. I'm still like that. But then there's people in my life that I've gone, "Oh, you can provide for a family and not." Yeah work certain jobs or certain things and being more open and open-minded to things, I think. Because we get so with what, this is what we know, you know, well, and we I've, can all have blinders on. I've learned as I've gotten older that I just because something mm-hmm. happens doesn't mean I have to have an opinion about it. Really? 
which is hard. It's so hard. And it's so <laughs> I say that sarcastically. I think but, I think we are a lot you're right. We have a, think, we have to learn that, but we all have opinions. But because I am I can be very judgmental and in my head I sent Christy a meme this week. It's the best. It's so funny. It's just words, but it says, um, I can tell they're judgmental. I can tell by looking at them that they're judgmental people. <laughs> so, That'll just wait at four o'clock this afternoon. You'll be like, that's still funny when I yes. think about it. I can tell by just looking at them that they're the judgmental, judgmental people. I'm like, <laughs> that was like Benjamin Franklin saying, okay, I've decided I can't master humility because I would just be proud that I'm humble. Yes. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's great. I can um, just look at someone and tell they're judging me. <laughs> but I, I have a friend of mine that we, it's like a sport. We'll sit there and talk about people and like, well, they made this decision and they made that decision. But I feel like God humbles me in those moments because he turns around and like smacks me on my butt with something. Not your face. That's nice. He always slaps me on the face. Slaps you on the face. <laughs> more padded. Oh, more my padded. gosh. Um, he humbles me mm-hmm. doing things like that. So... Um, yeah, just learning how to love and see those people where they're at mm-hmm. and what they can handle and what they can't handle. And, and not put your own whatever on the situation. Yeah. Which is hard, which is so hard to do, especially when you're in it because you're in pain and you feel like, well, I can fix it. If I tell them to do this and they do this and they'll be fine. Well, no, that's to, not how it works. I have to stop myself and go, it doesn't matter why they why they are why, where they are right now. They just need to be loved through this. Yeah, but when but some people I agree with you 100 percent on that. But when some people say, "Well, love is, I'm going to help you get a job. That's how I'm going to help love them," mm-hmm. versus, no, like you've got to figure out how to love them, not you. your love language, but yes. their love language. What is their love language, and love them that way? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Well, and that's I'm not. I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of the tough love saying. I never have because of that. Because I'm like, it's tough love according to who? According to you? Like, there's, and I guess maybe I'm not saying this right, but when you're walking with someone, you do have them in mind and their best interests, which means you have to listen, right? You have to listen to them. You have to see where they are. Like Amy mm-hmm. said, sometimes it matters how they got there. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, you have to be willing to kind of listen to hard stuff and more than one time. And not go, why did you do that? Exactly. Why did you? No. Just I mean, and it's not as easy. I mean, and that's the thing with counseling. Like, I, I send people to wonderful and amazing counselors all the time. Um, you know, it's great. It's a wonderful profession. At the same time, you're not fixing your life's problems from going to sit with a counselor once every couple of weeks. No. That's not going to do it. I mean, just like, honestly, you're not fixing it. If you go to a psychiatrist, you know, once, um, you know, every couple of months for medication, it all is ha- for medication all has to work together in the sense of life is hard. You're learning more, knowing more. You're with friends, with family, with community, hopefully. But if you're getting beat down every kind of if life circumstances, life in general mm-hmm. is just overly hard and difficult and hurtful and you don't know where to go with any of that. I think it's going to compound existing issues no matter if you're seeing a counselor or not or if you know what I'm you saying do like the if, work and make the changes. It's something has to you have somehow engagement with people around you. That's what I just wrote down community. Has, community Lisa asked me that has too. Has to be there too. Yeah, it can't she, just be either or. Yeah. It has to be both. She was writing something about on the playbill and she was like, "What is I wish I remembered her question, but essentially, you know, what made it what made our situation how are we able to get through our situation, essentially? Like all of you together yeah. after James How did we get away? through this? Like, yeah. how did we? And I said, it's the community. Mm-hmm. And we have this awesome picture in our house. And it's my grandparents lived out in West Texas, in Breckenridge, Texas. And so, and James was buried out there. And so for his funeral, we all went out to Mama and Papa's house. And you look at the picture and there's, besides just our family, there's all these other friends that you would consider Aww. family. And yeah. I was like, and I walked over, we were FaceTiming. And I was like, look, these people right here in this picture, there's like 30 of them. We're all, I mean, we all look like we've been crying for days. We don't have, but we were like, let's get a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And it's James's friends from high school. It's his girlfriend at the time. It's my mom, my grandmother's dear friends that even when we were there, Billy and Jane walk in and they would then transfer instead of calling mama, 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 they would call them Marjorie and Doyle. But when we were there, they became mama and papa. Like that small town mentality. And it was like, it was the community. 
Yeah. The community of people, believers, like-mindedness. So then that's that's my next question. All, then. They were all Christians. So how does the church then, how do they enter into this conversation? Because this has been a hard conversation for the church for a long time. Yeah, I, I feel health, like the like, church, though, functions in fear when it comes to this. Okay, explain that. What do you mean? Don't we don't know answer. how to do it. We don't have the answer. We don't. And what if saying, we do something again, wrong? We're saying universal God's church. Oh, absolutely. So you're saying the church, you know, here does has a hard time functioning in that space because you said fear. What are, That's and one afraid of, of many reasons, but fear in the sense of, well, example would be the other day, I, somebody, I sent our men's minister here a name knowing that this gentleman just got divorced and was like, Hey, has anybody told you that so-and-so got divorced? He would be great in the men's life group. Mm -hmm. And then I, and I said, and sent it to him and he says, is it okay if I reach out to him? And I had a brief moment of like, Oh, well, what if he doesn't want anybody to know, but everybody Mm -hmm. does know. Like I play versus just being like, why would you even ask the question? You just reach out to him because you know, he's going through it. Mm -hmm. You're someone in the church that can love him well and offer him a safe place to be on Sunday morning. And I was like, absolutely. But I was a little bummed at myself because I instantly thought like, oh, well, mm, mm, what if he gets mad that we've passed his – stop it. That's our job is to love each other. So uh, fear, just the fear of – that's always my answer for so many things because I feel like Satan loves that with believers Mm. is to plague us with fear. He also likes to seclude us. So the the community bringing up the privacy conversation, Mm -hmm. the seclusion, isolation. Mm -hmm. So how do you think that – the Wait, church pri- messes up on that. Wait, you just said two different things. You said privacy. I think overextending on privacy can isolate us. I agree. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Just how does that, I, I was wondering what Amy's thoughts were on just being in the church. But you also um, said with, seclusion. Well, I think because of the isolation, you can kind of seclude yourself. Yes. But I thought you, know. you were saying those are the same thing. I mean, oh, like, no. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, um, like the conversation, how, sorry, now I have to go back. rethink it. Um, how, um, privacy, how does, um, the church kind of do well or do poorly when it comes to handling kind of the discussion of privacy, um, with our people, because that keeps us from reaching out sometimes because yes, mm-hmm. privacy, confidentiality, which there's a time and a place for that. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, when do we overextend on it? When do we. Use it as a an excuse not to act. Like I don't know. I, I don't know that I. Well, okay. Let me put, put this do it this way. I've really enjoyed the women's Bible studies that I've been in on here, um, because I'll be really honest with my life. Well, okay. Yes, I'm really honest with my life. I don't. So really you're open. In, you don't hold it on to like keeping things private. I. No, I'm in a, but I'm pretty matter of fact about it. I don't really get super emotional about it. You probably would agree with that, Christy. I'm like, I'm, I'm matter of fact, and I say where I'm coming from and everything, but I'm not super emotional and vulnerable. At the same time, if I'm open with my life, then other women in a group come out and they're open with their lives, and so mm. there's a um, there's a safety there. It's like we so. All I mean, here is we some, have to lead by example. Yeah, yeah. But I think what about the people that we yeah. get involved with that say. I don't want anybody to know. And that's when you, as a believer, do you go, okay, I'll keep your private, your secret private. I'll keep this issue versus going, encouraging them to go, no, you need to be surrounding yourself with people that can pray, whether it's men or women or whatever, but that, to pray and help you. And this lady struggled with that too. She could be a resource. Um, but I think so many of us like to go, okay, I won't tell. I mean, that's happened in our own house, mm-hmm. like in our family where I recall a family member saying, I don't want other people to know. And I was like, that's baloney. Why would you do that? Why yeah. would you not want other people to know? You have it's to a vulnerability. Pray. It's a, it's a, I don't want anybody to know this about me because then they're going to judge me. Yeah. And it's the privacy thing too. Right. But I think as believers, so, we should push back on that a little. And you do, you do. I've to certain seen people. you do that <laughs> respectfully. Yeah. You, I've seen you do that. But, um, I, I haven't had anybody say to me, I don't don't say anything about this because by the time that they say it in a group, mm. um, they're putting it out there and they, they've, they've taken a deep breath and if they put it out there and it's a, they know that they've opened up a door that people can talk to them about that. Um, Do you think people don't understand how Satan works? Yes. Cause and that I, is and their... I forget all the time. I forget all the time because I will seclude myself and because I kind of like my alone time. 
like ice days and everything, I don't need another ice day for a while because <laughs> it's not good for me mentally because yeah. I live by myself. But, um, and then I get into that. I just want to watch Netflix and not do anything. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm in this horrible mental state because of that. But no, no, that's how he gets us. He wants us by ourselves. He wants us to, he wants to control mm-hmm. us. He wants he, he wants you to believe big thing. shame and he wants you to believe that everybody's going to judge you if you have yes. this mental illness, this mental yes. health crisis, if your family struggles with that. Mm-hmm. And in reality, they probably are not going to judge you. Yeah. We would like to hope and think that they will surround you, that right. other people will surround and help you. And even if you have a family that, that is judgmental and won't support you, there are plenty of people outside your family that will. And, and go to those people. You don't have to have yeah. your family there. You can have people that yeah. can love you well. I just think that people kind of forget how Satan works. I did, and again, yeah, and I for sure think that. I mean, very beginning, convincing, you know, or Adam and Eve doing what he says, and then the first thing they do is cover themselves up, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it. We go into hiding um, very easily and quickly, I think. But I again, it's the nuance of the conversation of the respecting someone and their time they need to process, but at the same time. Um, demonstrating how amazing and valuable community can be for healing and learning and recovery and change. Um, Cause we weren't meant to change by ourselves. So when we try to do it on our own, it doesn't typically work. It leads to, it is not good for not man to good be alone. For man to be alone. Well, and it, and it wasn't just for him to have, you know, a wife, it was for community too. So well, even as uncomfortable yeah. as it can be to be depressed and have anxiety and all of that, a lot of times people don't want to come out and, and tell anybody about it because they actually don't want anything to change. They just want that that's feeling true too. to go away. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have to change anything about their and life. And there's people here that have been hurt by community before. There's people yeah. in, in churches everywhere that have been vulnerable and have been extremely traumatized and hurt by the oh, yeah. by what happened after that so i think there's that too i mean there's there's we don't we're human we don't always handle people's vulnerability and sharing things well i mean yeah and know, we don't so we have to work at doing that mm-hmm. and we don't throw it out mm-hmm. to the crowd well either sometimes no. like like i would never enter into a conversation and be like this is what happened to my brother james and let me tell you yeah. the story and then think that people are going to be like oh gosh that's or whatever they might be like what 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 just, what just happened? Why, why, why did I you do I just that? just get slapped in the face? Yes. <laughs> All this drama. What is happening? So I think you have to learn how who to say it to, to well, trust. Well, just even how to pray in community, even how we do prayer requests sometimes. Even are we when we're sitting together in community praying, are we praying, Lord, help us to walk well together. Help us to your will be done no matter what. Everything in this room we're giving to you. Mm-hmm. Help us to walk in this hard place, this earth well together in this group you've given and provided. I mean, instead of just, hey, will you fix this? Will you fix mm-hmm. this? Will you fix this? And I think that's a natural thing. I don't think, I'm not saying it's good, bad, or I think it's natural for us to go to kind of the easier way to make those prayers versus the harder way of digging into Lord, this may not get fixed here. But isn't the difference but, between praying in your flesh versus playing and praying in the spirit? Well, for sure. I heard this Holy past spirit, week, yeah. and I got hit between the eyes because I say this a lot. Like, Lord, come back. Jesus, come back. And this guy said, you know what? The first century church, they prayed for more people to come to Jesus. Yeah. They very rarely prayed for Jesus to come I back. Agree. And I thought, absolutely. Okay, now I'm going to start praying for that too, Lord. <laughs> okay, that's a good idea. But I thought it was so good. Like, Oh, yeah, I do. I pray for Jesus to come back quickly, but do I also pray, come back, but also bring people to you. Yeah. Like, let them have their chance now. Yeah. Well, and be around, being here present now means we have to be willing to sit in the hard stuff with everybody now. And if we're constantly looking to later, we're not able to do that very well. And so I do think there's a element of people having a hard time with that like of just being if you just do this it'll get better just do this it'll get better yeah just ask for this box. just do this One yeah thing. This, it's a process I mean, it is and it takes a long time um, for like some people jesus being on earth he didn't just come down and right it's 33 years plus the four extra whatever like 
He didn't come down a couple weeks later down across the lake. Yeah. Like, it, he was it's born here, long, raised here. Like, long. God is all about the process. Yes. It's never... You're exactly right. Like, boom, lightning, done. Blink of an eye, you're going to be changed. Like, it is a process, and it's a sanctification. Mm-hmm. And the end result the is for matter. you the, yeah, how we to love matters. Jesus more, to be closer to him, to bring more and light to his kingdom. And see what all he brought you through. Yeah. And how you're changed today because of it. Mm-hmm. That's what was so great about that musical, I think, for me. Yeah. Is to go, oh, yeah, it was a mess. I really, I mean, it was a mess in the mess. Yeah. <laughs> right? But with the light and just going, oh, Lord, you, you probably went so far. I love it. And you're looking at where you were in your life when that yeah. happened yeah. and how much understanding you had and how now how much more understanding. Yeah. I would even say have. how much understanding I didn't have then. Yeah. And how I do because of the yuck that's taken place. Yeah. But so many people can go through that same thing. Mm-hmm. And they're still the same person that they were in it and during it. Well, that's sad then. I know. Well, and there's, I feel like though that you're you start seeing a real bitterness and emotional kind of instability with life in general when that's the case. If you're not growing through that stuff and you're staying there in it, I don't know that that's sustainable very easily without some pretty significant ramifications. Yeah, Uh, you have to get better, or it's just going to get worse. I mean, you're pray for people. During, like thinking, oh Lord, just bring them through that more. Yeah, I know it's been ten years, but continue bringing them through that. And mm-hmm. the fact that some of them just showed up to see it, mm-hmm. hopefully, is kind of like a look. You, you can keep moving. You can yeah. keep moving, and you can probably move through a little faster if you want. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, because so many people get stuck in you do that one thing, that and you happened. get drown, and you just drown in your emotion, in the yeah, emotional like fallout from it. It is, it and, and I just can't. I mean, if you're not moving forward, you're getting stuck, and it's which that's there's a not horrible judgment. place to be. No, no judgment saying, there. Yeah. Hey, evaluator, yeah, have, totally. you, have you moved through that incident in your life? Have you moved through that trauma? And have you moved? And you may be moving slowly, but it's movement. Movement, and it's that's the. I mean, it's but with the Holy Spirit. Are you doing it with the Holy Spirit too? Are you doing it on your own Mm -hmm. by yourself? Are you every day going, Lord, get me through this day better than I got through yesterday? Holy Spirit, equip me today to help me get through the yuck. Because I even remember waking up weeks after James was gone and just being, I can't get through this day. Mm. And those little kids waking up, yeah, and you're like, like, I just uh -uh. have to. Uh-uh. Yeah, I can't do this. But How old were they at that time? Um, six, five, and three. So they were little, and they needed things. Maybe so not been, so six. Maybe he was younger. Than six. So it's been ten years. Did she do this purposely as like a ten year anniversary no, thing, or not just at all. Where it, it just was happened. supposed to come out no pre COVID? Oh, and then so some things changed, and okay. COVID didn't allow, and so okay. it's just timing of it. Yeah, came out now. Wow. I know. So if they get funding, are the same actors going to be portraying each character? I don't know. But the girl that portrayed me, I don't know that. And I don't know if I should be like, well, this one shouldn't be because she was horrible. So I don't know. <laughs> what you're, you're like, am I allowed to, to speak into yeah. this or not? I was, I was more thinking the, the man that played James was. He probably hopefully won't leave. Yeah. Other ones, I think some of them could be interchanged. But the You're one that played saying. me, it was so funny. She, like, it was over, and we're just hanging out in this real small area. And the kids were like, Mom, look, there's you. Mom, there's you. Look, there she is. There she is. Mom, that's you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so funny. And she walked over, and she was hugging her family. And they just happened to be standing right in front of me, like mm-hmm. her husband, I think her sister, and her mom. And I was like, hey, I'm you. You're me. Hi. And she was like, oh, hey, how'd I do? And I thought, could it be better? No. <laughs> I was like, you did awesome. Like what you said was great. And I just think I forgot that when people are playing other people's parts, they mm-hmm. want that insider feedback. Because then right. I went over to the guy that played James and he was like, how to do? And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. okay. I didn't know we we're looking for feedback. Okay. I thought you did great. You did wonderful. And yeah. so we started talking about that a little bit. Yeah. But I thought that was yeah. sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Boreana Billboard. And you can actually I love Google. the title, by the way. Well, yeah. it's because he was his, on the yes, billboard, but you can Google said, him. I like that title. And there's a video because all the news people were out there that day. Mm. And Gentry was sitting next to me, and she goes, is that how he died? Did he jump off the billboard? Mm. And I hadn't told – Gentry's in second grade, so I hadn't told Gentry how he actually died, which was he cut himself with mm. knives. And so – and I was a little nervous going into that. That was the other reason I was nervous, right, because – what is Gentry going to process and questions she's going to ask? Of course. Yeah. But it was fine. She did great. Um, and I said, no, that's not how he died. She goes, well, why was he up there? 
And so then I said, I'll tell you later. We'll talk about it more later. Because we're like, on, she wanted to sit on the front row. So, of course, we're sitting in the front row. Um, but you can Google boy on a billboard and you see him because the news people are out there. And I don't think the kids have seen that yet, which is great. But that's where the title comes yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah. No, I good. I think it's I a like good the title. title. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it, I don't know, it captures your attention. And also there's something sweet about it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Well, and you don't realize it's not his face on the billboard. It's like legit his body naked dancing at the yeah. top of the billboard. Yeah. Like you think, oh, boy, oh, it's probably faces yeah. on the billboard. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, so we're probably going to have to wrap up here pretty soon. But um, Amy, I was going to ask you, you had talked about your struggles with depression, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. When do you um, do you still find that ebbing and flowing? And how does the church help? Um, yes, ebbing and flowing. Yes. Um, mine's, mine's, uh, situational and chemical. So, um, more so, more so situational. So explain it. So you have some chemical then issues that mm-hmm. need correcting. You're saying with medication to help you right. with the depression. Mm-hmm. But then also you say, you're saying that, um, you struggle in certain situations, certain with situations the feelings. when I've, when I feel out of control is when um, the anxiety kicks in. And I'm, okay. I probably um, uh, developed my life around me being in control of certain things. And something that gives me like huge anxiety is dating because I feel completely out of control as far as mm-hmm. dating goes. And I went and saw my best friend this last week and she goes, I would just <laughs> like you to be able to go on a date with somebody without having a panic attack. Oh. <laughs> what is the other she, thing she, she said? Say like that. She yeah. said, just talking to somebody new gives you such anxiety. That's how she said it. That, but I heard it the other way, which was still funny. But, um, but, but she said that out of concern, like I, because I just taken myself out of the whole mm. dating field and everything. Especially when somebody says, "I've got the perfect guy for you," I'm like, I just want to crawl under a desk. I'm like, I don't want to. Mm-mm. I don't want to. So I'm like, what's their expectation of me yeah. liking this person? So that's something that gives me anxiety. Um, so then your anxiety and depression work together because anxiety is different, but it like yeah. causes some depression. Um, do you no, think? No, you... I, I don't know. Really? Okay. I mean, like I, I get depressed about certain things like um, when I'm secluded for a long period of time. Mm, sure. It affects my mood and I get depressed. And you... I, there should be lots of data come of that on that seclusion yeah. and depression coming out of the last couple oh, of years. Yeah. We should and have that's plenty not even of... like a, I mean, it, for you, it's a single thing, but. It even happens like in the marriage Perfect. world. Perfect. Oh, it's yeah. just a human yes. nature thing. You're right. exactly yeah. right. Yes. So, um, I agree with that. So my situational is the whole dating thing. Okay. And everything, but sometimes I can have, and I haven't in several years, and probably because I talk more about it, and I'm kind of like a pressure cooker, and I'm letting out steam. Um, but when the anxiety is really bad, is when I'm a pressure cooker and nothing's coming out. Mm. And so a panic attack is like blowing the lid off completely and all of this emotion coming out. And not What do your being, panic attacks look like? Um, you'd actually have to ask my sister on the outside because she says you can't tell unless no other people can't tell I'm losing it unless you're close to me. Jen's like, I get really quiet and really, I don't even have to ask her. Okay. Let's get her on the phone right now. Do you feel, (laughs) do you feel like, does your heart start racing? Like physically, do you feel it? racing. You sweating? Sometimes. Sometimes some people uh, say that it's like having a heart. They feel like they're having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. I've never been to the point where I had to go to the emergency room or anything. Um, but it's um, the thought, irrational thoughts, basically um, feeling completely alone. And mm-hmm. I have to remind myself that no emotion that I'm having or, or thought that I'm having hasn't been had. I mean, it has been had by somebody else. Um, you know, sometimes it's waking up in the middle of the night having a horrible dream, and you know, you're just. It's just irrational thoughts. Yeah. And they go away. Hmm. That's how you feel kind of crazy. Yeah. Irrational thoughts. Um, but I can actually look completely normal on the outside, but just be done on the inside. Mm. And it's, it's, uh, it. it's um, conversations that I'm having with people. I'm like obsessed about one particular thing. I'm like, but, and I just keep bringing it back to that. And my mom and my sister will say, okay, <laughs> we need to like, we need to take a step back here. So how has the church helped? Like, I know you're in the life group, the women's life group here. and Being being around other women and mm. hearing their struggles helps a lot because it takes the struggle off yourself. Because it's not just you. You're it's in, not just me. Yeah. No. You've got um, a purpose, which is to help other people, too. Being, there, being around other women, being able to say, hey, I need prayer about mm. this, 
helps a lot. And that's something that I did when I was in the worst of it is I joined a women's Bible study group at Stonebriar on Tuesday nights. Um, and it was uh, older women than me, so I could sit there and have conversations with them. And they were I like, love older women. Oh, I remember I went through that in Aww, my 30s. And, they were sweet to you. Oh, so sweet to me. I'm having um, dinner with two of those ladies on Aww, the 16th. That's so awesome. we stay in contact with each other. But that's all that's been helpful. Yeah. Community. Yeah. Community. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Don't include yourself when you're... Openness. Yeah, don't isolate. Isolating us. I, isolating yourself, I think, is... Talk about it oh, and don't feel like so don't feel like you're crazy, like you've had a thought nobody else has had because you haven't. Mm-hmm. So, well, and certain personalities I think tend to when they're short, they go in isolation, which is the worst thing for them. I still do, and I think yeah, and I think that is what's so hard too is that's where you feel safe, but it's actually not good for you. Yeah, and have that balance is that's a struggle. That's hard, and I yeah. think the people who love you, who love the ones that tend to self isolate, even when things are, it's just it's very anxiety inducing to watch. Like you want to just pull people out and like, you yeah. know, come on, no, get out of here, get out with us, and they're just it's it's hard for them, you know. Yeah, if you but, can get, if you can concentrate on somebody else or something else, it's better. So you're so. saying if you can concentrate on someone else other than yourself or do mm-hmm. something else, it's better for you. Mm-hmm. Oh. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Good advice right there. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. All right. Well, this was the beginning, kind of the introductory podcast mm-hmm. that we're going to do. We're going to have other, we're going to have someone on um, coming to talk about um, uh, just suicide and hard um, lifetimes surrounding depression, anxiety. Someone else coming on to talk about um, addiction. Wait, really? They're not coming to. They're coming to talk about their struggles with their suicide struggles with, with addiction. Correct. Okay. Correct. A personal story. And yeah. then. Um, What's better to listen to it? And then um, someone else coming on to talk about their personal struggles with addiction. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then um, a counselor that will wrap it up for Rachel's us. Rachel's coming so back. Rachel's coming back, we're hoping. Um, yes. So um, that's what we're going to do. So we hope you guys um, tag along with us for that. And um, anyway, that is it for us today. Um, Thank you guys for listening. That is Noisy Narratives out. Bye. Watch what happens now.